Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to the Football Writers Podcast. My name is Mike Calvin. I'm joined by Tony Evans of The Independent and Dominic Fifield of The Guardian. It's never too early to panic in the Premier League. Watford have sacked Yavi Garcia after four games. It's their 12th managerial change in eight years. They've gone back to Kike Sanchez-Flores, who described the owners as cold and pessimistic when he left the club three years ago. That was then. This is now. Sign of the times, Tony. Well, it's a sign of what was. I mean, because you know, so as the those statistics prove, this is what they do. You know, the the turnover of managers is incredible, and there's normally a cycle that it's like this manager's brilliant, he's doing really well, and then they they level off, plateau to where they probably should be, have a little dip in form, gone. But there was rumblings of unhappiness at Vicarage Roads, you know, at the end of last season. So I'm not entirely surprised that it's happened. But um, at some point, they're going to get caught out by it and they're going to go down. The problem is they have such a turnover of players as well. I mean, in football, they they always say, you know, if a man just stays too long, like the players sort of (coughs) stop listening to him, they just become immune to him. So either change the managers or change the players. Mm-hmm. Uh, what would do both? <laughs> it was interesting that the players supported Garcia you know, and they were quite surprised to learn of it all via WhatsApp on Saturday afternoon. Do the players matter? Well, their opinion of the coach? You yeah. Mean? Um, probably not, but there's a specific model at work at at Watford, and if this particular group of the, the bulk of this, these players are, are sort of vaguely consistent, you're looking at your Troy Deenies and mm. Ben Fosters, etc., um, through the side, and if that particular group responds well to changes in management, and as a rule they seem to uh, for a while, and then as, as again Tony says, they hit, they hit a ceiling, then maybe that is the way that Watford. That, that is their strategy, and it is a strategy that's worked for the last, what, six years mm. since they went up, five years since they went up. There's, I mean, this goes back to, to the end of last season as well. Actually, it's not just four games. We, we concentrate on that four games in, but his, the form towards the end of last season was pretty dismal, and it, it looked as if they'd hit that ceiling maybe in March time, mm. possibly masked by the, the fine comeback in the semi-final against Wolves, which got them to Wembley for the final. Maybe it's just the limitations of the squad. Um, that's 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 what they are. They're they're a sort of eleventh, twelfth, thirteenth best team in the Premier League, and 
uh, I suspect that by the end of this season they will still be 11th, 12th or 13th mm-hmm. with Kike Sanchez Flores having led them there. But he's, you know, he'll come back into familiar territory, but mm-hmm. over the last 15 months or so, he's been sacked by Espanyol. He lasted seven months in Shanghai. Okay, as I said, he's coming back to somewhere that he knows, but what can he really intrinsically change? Because if you look at that squad, the one thing you always said about Watford is the recruitment is excellent. But if you look at that defence, the only incoming player was Craig Dawson, 29 years old. You give him a four-year contract, which isn't their business plan normally. So have they got recruitment wrong? Well, yeah, I think so. And one of these things about uh, the clubs who do this, and Southampton, uh, another example, is you know there's this. Oh, yeah, you know we've got our recruitment; it's brilliant, you know, and and we can keep on sustaining forever. Actually, a lot of it's down to luck, and um, and there is no genius there. And eventually, you're going to be found out. And they've kind of been found out so, uh, this summer, I think. I don't think they've bought well enough. And I think they'll struggle a bit. And uh, just going back to do the players matter, probably only ma- they only matter when they think the same way as the ownership, when they're, they're anti the manager. When they're in favour of the manager, then they don't matter. Right. I'd, I'd, I'd just say that we've got to give the, the new players a bit of time. I think Ishmael Assar is a good signing potentially and he could make a massive difference to them but I mean Grazia hasn't benefited from that signing at all because he's still finding his way into life in the Premier League. I, I imagine if if what he showed in France last season is to be believed and I, come November, December time they've got a real player on their hands. Well, well that's the other thing I mean with, with sacking someone after you know sort of so few games is especially foreign players when they come in, they, they often talk about how long it takes them to get used to the physicality of the Premier League. Yeah, it can be a season, couldn't it? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, um, so, you know, as Dom said, they might have the recruitment right, but it's so not going to show yeah. in the short term. Yeah. And yeah. by the time it shows, they might be in so much trouble yeah, that, they're, you know, they're, they're flailing about and, it, you know, so you can't produce your best stuff because you're so desperate. And the run of games they've got coming up is pretty horrible on paper, at least. I mean, you wonder whether it might bring a bit more out of this, out of the existing squad and the changing manager again and the little upturn of, of results you sometimes get. But on paper, the next few run of run the games is, is pretty horrific. Yeah, because it's interesting how they'll get on without Troy Deeney, who's out for a couple of months, and he's always been their talisman, yeah. hasn't he? They start or re- resume the Premier League at home to Arsenal on Sunday. If you look at Arsenal, do they know what their best midfield three is? I suppose at this stage of the season, not. Um, they've, got the, they've got the raw materials there to a certain extent. I think Guendouzi's obviously made progress and are now graduated into the, the full French squad and he was he was good against Spurs in the derby. Um, Torreira's been a bit of a disappointment of late, to be honest. I thought he would be the sort of terrier that they needed in there, someone, a blur of tackles, whatever, but he hasn't really delivered it consistently. Maybe that's a lack of faith in the management. But again, I don't want to draw too many conclusions too early because I just think he's a, a manager that's that has got... They have recruited, I mean, Pepe up front and, and integrating him into the side with Lacazette, with Obama Yang, without Mkhitaryan. There's, a, there's an, a balance they're having to, to find in that squad at the moment in, to, get, to get the right selection out there, particularly for an away game like a match at Vicarage Road. I mean, they're not going to play those three up, up top at Vicarage Road, I wouldn't have thought. So in which case, you might get a bit more steel in midfield. Mm. I, I just I, I was there for the Tottenham game as Arsenal. I couldn't believe the way he set up that midfield. You know, Terry area out wide on the right, mm. and you know, and what, it's just a, a disaster way yeah, to happen. I mean, Jacques, you know, he's, he's just 
he's a yard too slow so he's late to the ball all the time you know, if it's a 50-50 ball, it's a yellow card. Mm. It's, uh, and, um, and yet, you'd think Torreira would be perfect for the holding role. He's not quite mobile enough, and he doesn't have the radius of... Um, well, obviously, he's not going to be like Kante, but I was thinking more of someone like uh, Haman, you know, Dizzy mm. Haman, you know, sort of... He hasn't got the radius, so, he, you know, he can't cover enough of the field. But he, he is a good tackler. Mm. He's marginalised there out on the right, and he certainly wasn't giving Maitland-Niles any protection if that's what he was supposed to be doing. And, and also, went out there... He can't niggle and he can't moan in the referee's ear, mm. which is two biggest talents. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Where does Ozil fit in all this? Or does he, he does. fit? I don't think he does. I really don't think he does. But, but unfortunately, with, with Mesut Ozil, they, there's no means of getting him off the books, really, unless they're going to pay a, such a massive proportion of their wages. It's hardly we'll do worth a sort it. of a Sanchez number. Yeah, I mean, it's, that, we'll always go back to the decisions made in that transfer window, both by by Arsenal in, in offering him new terms and also by Manchester United in taking Alexis Sanchez. So both those clubs are, are regretting those decisions. I don't see how he fits in. I think if you can, in home games in particular, you play that, that front three that we, mm. that we saw against, against Spurs and there's a lot of potential in, in Pepe in particular and Aubameyang and Lacazette are the, the envy of a lot of clubs in the division. But I don't think you can play those three and Ozil because it makes it too lightweight. Uh, uh, Arsenal back into their place this year. Um, you know, despite having an incoherent midfield, having a defence that will be, you know, sort of at times laughable because that front three will score. But Ezel, you know what I'm like? If you get me started on Ezel, he's, he's so much want him to be brilliant because he's got everything, absolutely everything, except what you really need to be a, a superstar mentality. You know, the place for him is on these computer games where all the kids love him and, you know, and, um, and, he, and the, 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 his avatar can come perform all these tricks you know it's a well, at 350 grand a week yeah yeah that, that, well yeah and you know and he you know he, he can stay at home and play the computer game that he plays all the time <laughs> just uh, honestly it really frustrates me when you see so much talent i mean you know if, if he had you know a, 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 a tenth of the application say someone like you know alan shearer had in his game then he'd be the greatest player in the world without a doubt mm. Talking of Shearer and Newcastle, uh, and let's not talk about Michael Owen, but um, let's talk about Newcastle. You know, you talked about Watford having a, a, a difficult run. Newcastle start a really hard four-match sequence uh, against Liverpool. Um, what do you make of what's been going on up there? Well, it's all eminently predictable. I mean, they're actually in a better position now than they were this time last year. Um, but that, it's, it is a bit masked by that fantastic if improbable win at, at Tottenham Hotspur. Is that looking like an anomaly now? Well, who knows? I mean, look, it was it, they, they did really well to exploit early season stodginess at Spurs and, and that's to be praised. Um, and it, was, it, it, it did sort of... But it, it did paper over cracks. I mean, we all know there are issues at Newcastle. It, it always boils down to the ownership. You're never going to have a, a happy fan base. Steve Bruce is on a bit of a hiding to nothing as soon as results go poorly. They're going to be back on his back because they see him as, as the owner's appointment, um, the owner's puppet, I guess. Um, it's not quite Alan Pardew levels, but it's, that is the reality of it. I, I just feel, I don't, I don't want to, it just sounds patronising to say you feel sorry for Newcastle fans, but I do because I think they've been sold a pup on it all and, and, and Ashley, he's just not going to get a buyer. I just yeah. don't see him leaving. Mm. After Anfield, they've got Brighton, uh, Leicester and Manchester United. Do you think there's a possibility they could be bottomed by October? 
Well, there, there is. I mean, uh, I, I mean, I saw them at Tottenham, and um, I think the result reflected more on Tottenham than them. Mm. But to, to be fair to Steve Bruce, they were very, very well organised. They go into, um, you know, um, so nine men behind the ball all the time, and and Joe Linton was will be a. Um, you know he'll score goals in this league. He's a, he holds up the ball up beautifully. He's got a nice touch. He's um, he, he's got a good shot. He, he's he's deceptive. He sort of lopes, and you think, oh, he isn't that quick, but he'll, he'll beat you to the ball. So I think I think he'll score goals, and and I think he might well be the difference in in keeping them up. And also, I like the name, proper name for a Newcastle centre forward, Joe Linton. <laughs> you know, it's um, it's it's way too. I mean, keep going back. This is too early to to judge, but. Actually, great win at Tottenham, and they recovered from being a goal down to the bottom club at home and, and got a point from that match. Probably should have merited more in the latter stages. I don't think it is all doom and gloom. And to be honest, even if they are in the bottom one or two, three come the end of October, we, we've seen before that teams can be in that sort of apparently hopeless position at that stage of the season and finish comfortably in mid-table. And, and there is a, enough quality in that squad to get them back into mid-table. I mean, they, they finished 10th two seasons ago, 13th last season, and they were appreciably clear of the bottom three come the end of the season. This will be the test as to whether that was down to Rafa's management, but I still think they've, they've got enough quality over time to wedge themselves clear. Mm. I don't really want to go too strongly on you know, old ground, but you know Rafa well. Mm. You know, the, the charge from... Ashley and his acolytes was that he just went to China for the money. Knowing me, knowing him that well, is that right? No, no. He he would have stayed at Newcastle had they had they sort of given him um, sort of guarantees about spends and, and you know. I mean, I've never met a man who was less concerned about money. Obviously, you know, when when they come along and they offer you twenty five million, you know, net over two years. I mean. Then you'll think about going to China. If the, if the money wasn't that big, he probably wouldn't have gone to China. He would have sat tight. But he didn't leave Newcastle for the money. He left because he saw it as being he wants to win things, and um, and it wasn't happening at Newcastle. And there were no other good good jobs on the horizon as far as he could see. So he thought, I'll go to China. I'll earn a few quid, and when he comes back, he'll hope he can get a a, a job where he's got a chance of success. Mm. With Liverpool. Done. Will they win a lot this season in terms of titles? Yeah, I actually, I mean, I, I, I predicted they'd finish second again behind City, but I think Laporte's injury actually makes a big difference in the in the title race potentially. And I think there's a there's an opportunity there for Liverpool now to to really forge ahead and, and maybe City slip up, um, not by losing games probably, but by drawing the odd match. Um, I, I just there's such momentum behind Liverpool at the moment. Um, and I can sort of see why they might this year just slightly target the, ter- the, the Premier League slightly. I mean, well, the proof in the pudding will be when the Champions League group games kick in and, and selections around those matches. But there's just so much going for them at present. It's such a good quality of squad. And yeah, let's reassess it come the end of December and see whether that they've, they might have benefited from the addition of maybe one player just to sort of spruce things up a bit in the summer um, just to add a bit of competition to places again but when you look at it at the moment as it stands with the injuries that City have accumulated in particular Laporte there is more going for Liverpool at the moment than, than maybe for City mm. yeah, If you look at Trent Alexander-Arnold mm. he's 
almost like the symbol of the new Liverpool, you know, face on a mural, side of the house, all that sort of stuff. Um, named in the FIFA Pro Team of the Year, only two English defenders in that group, him and Carl Walker. There's a buck coming here. Where does he need to improve to actually really fulfil himself as an outstanding all-round fullback? Well, I think he needs to uh, defend a little bit better. I mean, too often he's relying on his pace to get him out of trouble. Mind you, you know, Ashley Cole did that an awful lot, and you know, he was uh, mm-hmm. certainly the only one of the golden generation who was really, in, you know, sort of at the very top class, if you ask me. Um, so he needs to do that. Um, his passing's fairly good, his crossing's great. Um, his positional awareness, he can improve that as well. But but that's that, that has developed over the past, you know, sort of 18 months. And I think it's, um, you know, uh, his decision-making. You know, I don't think there's a player out there who couldn't improve that. But yeah, mainly, mainly his defence. And but the way they're playing at the moment, you know, he's not put under that much pressure. And and let's be fair, you know, so over the past eighteen months, teams have targeted him, and he's come out of it yeah. um, in in reasonable shape. So I think he's, you know, if he carries on developing as he is, I think he'll have the opportunity to become a real top class full back or there's the potential of moving them into midfield the problem for Liverpool this season is if injuries kick in God forbid that Van Dijk gets injured the front three there's you know there's not really adequate the only the only area where there's probably enough bodies to bring a title challenge is the midfield and that's the area which Klopp is probably least sure about uh, it's the area which is probably the, the least satisfactory you know, the defence picks itself, the front three pick themselves, the midfield have, have a lottery. Mm. You need someone like Cater to come through, don't you? Yeah, and but the second season, so let's mm. let's see let's see how he kicks on. I'm sure he will. I mean the ingredients are there, as I say. It's just it's just a matter of they'll all get game time. They've got so many matches coming up. They they play every midweek until January or something yeah. from now on in. I mean it's it's insane the number of games they're gonna have. On on Trent, all those things that we expect him to improve upon that will improve with games and mm. we forget that he's, he's relatively early in his development yeah, as a yes, player yet and it's phenomenal the progress he's made already the talent time will come with the world club yeah. championship I mean they really don't need that if they're going to put a title challenge in and you know you, the, the, the period from November through till early January I think that's when we'll know whether they can do it because I suspect that's where the injuries will come mm-hmm. if you look at Distractions, you know, the World Club Championship is, is one. In a sense, very early in the season, the Europa League is another. Burnley found that to their disadvantage last year. Are Wolves being handicapped by the same problem? Yeah, to a certain extent. It's, it's a bit strange that often these teams in the Europa League, um, because they're playing so many games at this time of the season and they've they played all the qualifying matches, they're, all, they're already in a rhythm and that's actually when they do quite well. It's usually later on in the season where it catches up on them um, and they start dropping like flies because they're all knackered. And it's, it, in that respect, it's a bit surprising that Wolves haven't picked up that, that first league win yet, but they've still got a lot of quality there um, in, in the squad and... Uh, and they've got the capacity to go out and spend big in, in January if they need to. So I'm sure that, that Nuno would like more options in there. It's funny that he reverts back to his tried and trusted um, rather than the, the new signings. But I guess that's just them adapting to, to new surroundings. I mean, their best spell at, at Goodison Park was when it was last season's team again on the pitch. And they were a real threat then and rightly 
and justifiably got level for the second time. I think it was 2-2 at that stage. But it, yeah, it will be a test. But you know, as you say, it's, it's, that's, that is the routine. That is what happens um, for clubs of that ilk. I mean, they're, they're, they're better resourced than Burnley were to compete, but Burnley didn't get into the group stages. Uh, Burnley had basically gone, weren't involved from this moment on, were they? So, mm. I mean, it'll be a test of, yeah, of the, of the depth of quality that Wolves have got. Mm, they're at, um, they're playing Chelsea in, in the resumption. Mm. You know, lots of hosannas for, for Frank Lampard, understandably, you know, very popular amongst the fans and actually, you know, the media. Um, what are the limitations of the experiment that's going on at Chelsea at the moment? Well, well, for me, the main limitation is the players they've got aren't good enough to be where they think they should be. Um, you know, I, I saw them against um, Sheffield United, and they were two 0 up at half time. But there was there was a moment about oh, I'd say the thirty five minutes into the game where all the, the, the Sheffield United players sort of looked at each other and went, "Hang on, these aren't that good." And there was like, you know, so obviously when they come out after half time, they scored almost immediately. But it's it, the fight back started earlier. And even though they conceded another goal, you could see the, the belief coming into them. I mean, the, the, the players that, I mean, Kurt Zuma was, had, a, had, a, had a nightmare. You know, he, um, he, he's, his injury really held him back. And you wonder whether he's going to ever become the player that, you know, they thought he'd become. As well as that, you know, he's got, inexperience all around him you know when he was playing with you know with john terry then you have a chance to develop mm. you know it's a different matter when you're the person everyone's looking to i mean mason mount everyone raves about mason mount he, i wonder whether he's he's, he's got the, the strength to play in the premier league he had real problems getting on the ball and you know and i think these are the issues. I mean, when when Kante comes back, hmm. he'll solve a lot of the problems, and they do have you know players injured to come back. But I think overall the squad's a bit lightweight and a bit a bit weak. It's going to be a really difficult season. But the one thing is the bridge is behind Frank Lampard, and he'll be given time. And if ever there was a club that needed to reset the way they do things in regard to managers at Chelsea, hmm. if you look at the younger players, Dom. Um, Mount Abraham have made their impact already. You've got Loftus Cheek waiting to come back in from injury. You've got the same with um, Hudson Odoi. Is there anything behind that even um, that you would expect to come through into the team? I guess you, you could put Tamori in there as well. He, he played against Sheffield United. Um, I, I, I suspect that Lampard will, will look at the, the rest and think they're probably a bit too raw still. Um, for regular first team involvement and in all honesty they've still got quite a, a hefty number of bodies still um, without going further into the the 23s or rather the 18s um, at Chelsea um, it's a few interesting little sound bites from Frank in this first month in, in charge it was after the Leicester game he actually brought up in his post-match press conference that he hadn't been, because of the transfer ban, he hadn't been able to bring in the players that he wanted to play the football that he wants to play. Which is the first real indication that, although he is committed to blooding the youth, this is blooding too many of these players at once. And that, you know, you never win anything with kids, whatever, but it doesn't generally work when you throw loads in at any one time. One or two of them might do well. Others will, will struggle. And, and we're not just talking about 
youth team players. We're talking about players that last season were out on loan, like Zuma, who there were clearly reservations at Chelsea as to whether they were good enough. And now Chelsea are reliant upon them. And that, that, these unique circumstances around the transfer ban has created a, a unique scenario. And, and without Rudigan, without Kante and that team, they're going to they're look rudderless at times. Is there a sense then that he's almost buying a bit of time? Yeah, absolutely. But he's acknowledged that from, from his appointment. He knows that they're exacting standards at the club. But I think he, I'm led to believe that he got the assurances from the board. Let's... You know, take that with a pinch of sort of guess, given their previous record. But this this is an exceptional mm. time at that club, and and until Chelsea go through a window where they can bring in players of a certain calibre to to help the kids that they deem to be good enough, um, we can't really judge him fairly. Uh, I I think it's going to be a difficult season for him. Uh, I agree with Tony. I don't. I think a lot of those players playing together in, in the team at this moment are not going to be good enough to achieve what Chelsea need them to achieve, which is qualifying for the Champions League again. Bear in mind that that a better squad than this struggled under Antonio Conte when they were playing Champions League group games a few seasons back. They finished fifth that season, which wasn't doing good enough, and he, with all the political machinations that he, he generated, he, he left at the end of that summer. So... It's going to be a massive strain on a on a on a young and and relatively inexperienced squad at Chelsea. Mm. You mentioned Sheffield United, Tony. When they came up, they were accompanied by a lot of pretty ignorant assumptions that they'd be sort of a a knock it, hack it, kick it type of team. Now, if you look at what Chris Wilder has presented, overlapping centre backs, etc., mm. etc., et are they? equipped to stay the distance as a, as a surprise side of the season? I'd be a little bit worried about them because, well, I say I've only seen them once this season, uh, but they were wide open. They certainly never parked the bus. You know, they were, they were looking to get forward as quickly as they could, um, and, and, and that was, was brilliant. I wonder whether they've got enough goals in them. And um, the, the two goals they conceded to Chelsea were absolute gifts. They were mistakes. So, I mean, if they, if they can close that down, they could have come away from that game where they should have won in the second half. They were better side. So, I mean, I think they need to tighten up at the back a bit and they need to stop the, the, you know, the individual or group mistakes. But I think they've got a good chance. There, there, are, there are more than three worse teams than them in the Premier League. And, um, you know, and, and, and Wilder's not shy about letting them know when they do make mistakes. Mm. I mean, he's quite good after the, the Chelsea game. You know, he was like, oh, yeah, I told them at half time. You know, it's not, it's not good enough. They're having this. <laughs> and you could tell he's, he did in no uncertain terms. You know, you, you wouldn't like to be a, on the, the receiving end of it in the dressing room. So I think, yeah, they've got a good chance. I think the, the over, overlapping centre half thing. I mean, I think it's probably a, a bit oversold. They do push up and get wide, but they're playing a three, and essentially they rotate round into a four when one of them mm. pushes up. But I, I, I think uh, eradicating mistakes and being a little less open in the midfield, uh, goals are going to be a little bit of a problem for them, I think. Mm. Let's look at some of the other pro uh, promoted teams, Dom. Um, Aston Villa. When you look at that team, do you see any hint of the influence of John Terry? Um... Well, I guess it's uh, interesting to know from Tyrone Mings whether whether Terry has 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 helped his his defending because he. I mean, I saw them at Palace uh, before the break, and they they are solid. Um, Engels has has done well alongside Mings at the back. 
I like the sort of dynamism in in midfield as well. That wasn't their best performance at, at Palace at all. They weren't. They lacked the energy that, that they're going to need to unsettle teams in the division. And I know it was a big fury about what happened at the end, but to be honest, if they'd got a point out of that game, it would have been a bit of a travesty because they weren't on it. Um, they admitted as much post-match. Um, they, so they're going to need the dynamism. They're going to need. They're going to need Grealish um, influencing games from midfield. Um, again, his energy in there. But I, I don't think those are things that John, John Terry brings. I think John Terry, having John Terry at the club probably is a source of reassurance in terms of psychologically as well for the players. I think we've got somebody who knows the Premier League um, sitting there on our bench. Um, and you'd like to think he would have an influence in the defence. But, but I, I, again... There's a lot of a lot of new faces sort of flung together there, mm. um, and it's going to take a while for them just to settle into some kind of rhythm, because they, they they weren't impressive at Zellers Park. Yeah, Jack Grealish, who you mentioned, he can decorate a game, mm. but can he decide a game? I'm not so sure that he's as good as he's been sold. Like he says, he's a, he shows it in flashes, but he doesn't define the tempo of a match like the best players do um, I think there's a little bit of wishful thinking in seeing him grow into a better player um, I think we're probably seeing the best of him that there is I could be wrong I've been wrong many times before but I, uh, I think if everyone's pinning the hopes on him becoming a dominant midfield player in this div- division I think they need to look elsewhere mm. What about Norwich? Um you know, Tony talked about Sheffield United needing to tighten up, and that's a given, isn't it, for them? Yeah, absolutely. But I think they'll beat a lot of teams at Carrow Road, um, or who around you know the, the, the teams that they're basically competing with to stay in the division. Uh, I think they'll give them a really good game. Um, they were impressive going forward in spells at Anfield on the opening weekends. Uh, but yeah, there's there's a certain naivety there. There's a certain sticking to this philosophy because that's what we're we're good at and that's what we know but I think come the second half of the season if they haven't adjusted slightly to life at the higher level then they could find that there's a, the teams they come up against are slightly more ruthless against them um, but you know the, the way they dismantle Newcastle if they do that to the teams that they're going to be competing directly against they'll give themselves a chance of staying up which is really what you'd expect them to do given Given the level of investment there and, and the, the the underlying principles of their project, um, if, if they finish 17th, that's pretty much a triumph. I, I think, you know, the, what bothered me about them first day of the season, they come to Anfield and say, we're going to do this our way. Mm. We're going to play our way. And you're like, at times, you've got to adjust your game to the opposition's strengths, mm. and which, they didn't. Which they will on well, they have to do on Saturday when they play Man City. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, if they, if, you know, if they go in and, and play their their game, then they're going to get blown away. And you know, everyone raves about the performance in the second half at Anfield, but frankly, Liverpool had given up. Mm. You know that um, I think a couple of the players were already in town having a pint. <laughs> um, you know, by the time Norwich got into the game, and so I, I, I you know, it's for me, it's. You've got, you've got to understand your own strengths, but also your own weaknesses, and, and you've got to stop the opposition's strengths, and they haven't done that yet. Like Dom says, they will blow a lot of the sort of peer group away at Carroll Road, but a lot of people look at them, and by the time you get halfway through the season, will have 
will have seen them once, will know what they do, and will adjust to them. And if yeah. they don't adjust, they're in trouble. Well, that, that's the nature of modern football, yeah. isn't it? They, they'll, all, they'll, they'll be analysed to death over this international break. Same with yep. Sheffield United as well. I mean, you often see with the promoted teams that come October time, teams are almost starting to suss them out. With Fulham last season hit a horrible run around this stage very, very early on, but that, that effectively condemned them to, to relegation because they never really recovered from that. And that happens, and you have to be able to adapt, And which is why when you hear a manager coming up saying, well, we're just going to stick to our principles, this is what we're going to do, alarm bells sort of ring as well. Yeah, but if you look at the backroom operations there, you know, read a very good interview recently with uh, you know, the head of performance where basically they're saying... Our players don't have a day off after the game. They, that's the key day and opportunity to actually get things right. Mm. And the one thing that strikes me about Norwich is that they maximise what they've got. It's a very intelligent operation, mm. isn't it? Yeah, and, and, and I'll agree with that. But sometimes you've got to look at minimising what the opposition have, their strengths, and you've got to get that balance. And, um, you know, I, I mean, I think they'll probably stay up. They've got a goal scorer. And you know that that always makes a difference down at the bottom, but I, I I just I think they'll be on the receiving end of some spankings unless they tighten up. Mm. So if we're being relatively optimistic about the promoted teams, who's banging trouble then? Which familiar figures? Well, it'd be interesting to see how Watford recover from their start um, and how the new management works. I, I, I think we'll see the usual suspects down there. I think Newcastle will will have spells when they, they look in trouble. But I, again, I, I think they'll probably pull away. Um, you, know, you could argue that Palace are in a false, well, very much in a false position, but, but they will be, they'll probably have enough to get into mid-table as well. I actually think that it, 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 it'll come back, I mean, Brighton, bright how, good, how good are they? Great start, but, you know, the, the issues that were a problem last year, probably still an issue right. now. Um, you know what happens to them if if a Lewis Dunk goes down injured? Um, it's, it, it'll it'll settle out, but I, I suspect that it won't. I don't think there'll be a, a, a surprise in there. I don't think you're going to see a, a particularly well-established side really dropping out of the division. I'd be surprised if a, if a team that's been there for four or five years suddenly slips out of the Premier League this season. Because mm, if you look at I suppose Burnley at the object lesson and how to you know adapt, Bournemouth. Bournemouth. Well, I don't think Bournemouth might be closer to the uh, to the relegation fight than you know um, than uh, I suppose most people think. Uh, you know, they they sort of go under the radar mostly. No one pays much attention to them because you know they'll pick up a few points and and, and they'll, they'll be fine. But you, again, you just wonder whether things are getting a bit stale there for Eddie Howe. You know, maybe maybe he should have moved on. They look a team that you can score goals against. They look to me like a bit of a soft touch. I haven't said that. I haven't seen them this season. Mm. I, I, I like their front line, though. I mean, they're a deceptively they're a big and strong team and a difficult team. A lot of pace in there. I mean, I, look, I looked across their front line against City. I was covering that match. And, you know, when Wilson's running at people, when King's running at people, when Fraser on the far side is... is scuttling at people and, and they've got drive there they, they've also got players to come back in who are, who are injured um, at present I, I agree with you about defence and I, it, it can it can look a bit creaky at times but I, I like Nathan Ake mm. Ake's a threat in both in, in, in the opposition box as well he's a he's a real pain at set pieces and I just feel as if they've they've probably got enough energy and, and 
underlying quality to steer clear. I'm conscious that I've basically said that no one's going to go down now. Unfortunately, um, I, I, I just think that they've, that they've got enough about them. They've also got a nastiness about them. They've always retained since Eddie Howe brought them back up. They're not, they're not a nice team to play against. They've, they've got a bit of needle in there as well. Yeah. Have you got to, you know, let's take Palace as, a, as an example. Have you got to have readily definable qualities you know, you know what you're going to get with Panis in terms of defensive organization you know that's been the hallmark of, of Roy Hodgson since he was a boy basically um he's 72 now yeah. is this his last season I suspect it probably will be and he's out of contract come next summer and um it's interesting that when asked about it recently Steve Parrish was slightly non-committal as to what was going to happen it's all going to be sort of dealt with by the club and I'll, you know, with obviously with vested interest in this one, I'm a notoriously pessimistic Crystal mm. Palace supporter, but I don't actually think that Palace will be in trouble this season, even with their their lack of a goal scoring striker, um, because I still think they'll go out in January and and bring one of those in. Um, he is Hodgson will just get them organised. They've got the best defensive record in the Premier League at the moment, which is pretty ridiculous considering they've already been. Yeah, they always hey, get, they hey, always hey, get Wallace. Hey, hey, yeah, he's an excellent signing. He's absolutely excellent. You look at him playing for Palace and he, you see a player that's won everything that he's won. And he just he just brings a bit of now and know-how to it all. And they've actually got, with him, Tonkins, Sacco, Dan and Kelly, they've actually got five really good centre-backs. It's, uh, there's an argument that whether they needed Gary Cahill at all, but actually I think he, he's actually added to, the, to their results at the moment. The problems with Palace are going to have are going to be, you know, trying to get a consistent performances out of a, a, an unsettled Wilfred Zaha and, and, and a striker. And the thing is as well, when they play, everything goes through Zaha. The, the opposition can double up, they can triple up on him because... Which actually a, makes the performance, to win at Old Trafford where Zaha didn't have the greatest of the game and to beat Aston Villa where Zaha didn't have the greatest of the game, more encouraging because, I mean, I'd, I'd never thought I'd say this, but Jordan Ayew suddenly looks a player. Mm. I mean... I mean, let's, let's, let's revisit that in three months' time. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. at the moment... Well, well, he should do because, you know, the, the other attackers get so yeah, much space. space. Yeah, because, absolutely. you know, and you know, you can see Zaha's frustration a couple of times last year. In particular, the Wolves game. Wolves just... Wolves got, you know, sort of... They, they, they got at least two men close to him. And they, they give him a whack every time he got the ball. Mm-hmm. And uh, Palace's creativity just faded. They're at Tottenham at the weekend. Mm. Um... I thought it was the very interesting line from Hugo Lloris mm. when he basically admitted there's something missing here. What is that? Uh, uh, belief in the manager. The, um, the, there's, there's a lot of unhappiness behind the scenes. Uh, they can't understand... Some of the senior players can't understand the teams that have been picked. Um, the, the way Pochettino operates I think um, what's really interesting if you look back after Kiev Liverpool got beat by Real Madrid the mood around Melwood and around Anfields was that's not going to happen to us again we're not going to be embarrassed like that again mm-hmm. uh, the mood of Tottenham has been very very different this summer it's been very very downbeat and they don't understand why Devinson Sanchez has been playing in that position, you know, with a, certainly at centre half. I didn't think he, uh, I thought it was a, a big gamble to play him as well, a full back yeah. against Arsenal. Nothing, and it should have been, um, you know, Arsenal should have exploited that more. Yeah. Um, you know, there, there is, I think, for a team that when, when, when they sort of started developing under Pochettino, everyone bought into what he was trying to do. 
there's quite a few of them who, who are not having it now. And I think that's the main thing. And he actually said after the um, Newcastle game, uh, when he was talking about, you know, sort of about team spirit, he said, you know, you've got to have off the pitch the, the right spirit and the right belief. He said, we haven't got that now. And you, you can actually see it on the pit, you, on you know during games. You can see that they're not buying into it, and you need to pull them round as a group. Mm. Talking of groups, I've been very impressed with the way that Brendan Rodgers has come in and galvanised Leicester. Mm. They've arguably arguably had the best start of the season. Um, what's your impression of them, Don? Yeah, I've been really impressed. I saw them at Chelsea. They were they were excellent in the second half, in particular. There's just a it's the timing seems perfect for Brendan Rodgers to take over. A lot of very, very good young players there. Um, you know, the, the likes of Chilwell, Chowdhury, whatever. They, they, they've got Madison, obviously. A lot of good players coming through collectively at the same time. They, the, the moment, they don't look as if they're missing Harry Maguire. I suspect that in time they probably will miss him. Um, but it just sort of feels like they're all coming coming together at the right time of all the teams that that are emerging from the pack that might challenge that established top four or five they're the ones that I look at and think Oof, they, they could do it they could do it and that you'd imagine that they also have got resources in January to go out and spend if if they're in a position where they feel they can kick on and get into a Champions League place uh, with all the the Maguire money in the in the bank um, it's it just feels like the right fit um, good attacking players he's got the best out of Jamie Vardy since he's been there and we know how key he is to, to everything that Leicester do going forward and it just just feels right mm. you obviously saw a lot of Rodgers at Liverpool what were the flaws which were exposed then and have those flaws been eradicated well his flaws were the main flaw on the pitch was the deep defence you know not getting them organised and Again, we talk about playing in one style going forward, not adapting, depending on your opposition. And he, he did that. I think, I think he's changed. I think in that, his experience in Scotland has helped a little bit. I think he'll be much more pragmatic than he was at Liverpool. But the biggest issue he had is the way he dealt with players. Players didn't feel that he was honest with them. And it's fine in the honeymoon period. Mm. It's fine when you're winning. But when things go wrong... The players always look for excuses and they always uh, point the fingers at the manager. So unless he's learned that the best way to deal with the, the, the squad is to be absolutely, totally and brutally frank with them, then um, don't leave yourself open to any misinterpretation. The cracks will appear again. They did at Celtic. Mm. Manchester United resume at home to Leicester. Will that tell us a lot about both teams? Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, I mean, it's... Uh, I think both teams' position at the moment is, is, a, is, a, is a fair reflection of, uh, of the, where the clubs are going. Um, it feels as if Leicester are on a, a riding high and, and, and will we'll, we'll play against United with, with huge confidence. And, and United just feel fragile at the moment. Just, they just, there's too many sort of grumbling issues there uh, and it's unsettling. There's also a presumption, really, that United would challenge this season I don't see really what the basis of that was. They've, they've bought excellent young potential in Wampasaka and James, and those guys are are going to be great for them. But they may not fire consistently 
this year and, and it's it's dangerous to sort of build here we, we're going to kick on we're going to kick on when you've just signed players who, who are at the start of their careers um, Maguire yeah he settled in well and we all got a bit carried away with that <coughs> first performance but I think the underlying issues are still there they, they don't look as though they've got a natural goal scorer particularly in the in the ranks I, I, I'm you know Lindelof suddenly his reputation seemed to soar after a few good performances but look, come on he was the same he was a player that people were criticising uh, you know 12 months ago 18 months ago What about Rashford Tony you know he's praised by Gareth Southgate after that you know very typically and predictably facile win over Bulgaria he needs to step up and take responsibility, doesn't he? Well, he does, and um, you know, uh, Southgate plays about wide, and uh, he barely got into the box. So, are we going to score goals from there? And you know, United have uh, have not really given them a, a coherent position over the years. I think someone makes a decision, needs to make a decision. Where is he? Is he a winger, or is he someone who uh, you know needs to get in the box and score goals? And I think. Um, I think he's best utilised, maybe you know, in sort of the, the inside, the, the the inside forward position, so he can drive in because he's 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 got a lot about him. I do wonder is he clinical enough? He tends to shoot towards the centre of the the, the goal. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are players who find the corner all the time. Uh, Rashford hits the target a lot, but in areas where the keeper can make saves. Mm-hmm. Let's finish, if we may, uh, with a quick look at the opening weekend of the Women's Super League. Uh, 31,000 at the Etihad for the Manchester Derby, 25,000 at Chelsea uh, against Tottenham. What are your impressions of that opening salvo, as it well, were? The numbers are impressive, aren't they? I, mean, that's, I think that's, that's an excellent start. And I think the, I mean, in terms of media, unless, if I stick to that, the, the, I thought they got a lot of coverage, which is, which is really positive. Um, but it's again; it'll, it'll always boil down to how you build on it and, and, and momentum through the season. And you know, are these clubs going to be playing a lot of games in, in at the Etihad and Stamford Bridge and places like that, um, where they can they can bring in these fantastic crowds? It's promising. It's a great. It's a good start. And I, I, I thought there was real momentum behind it this weekend. But it's it's about sustaining that when you've got um, a full Premier League program you know running concurrently with that and, and that'll be where the difficulty lies mm. you agree with that yeah i mean i think you know the, the headline numbers are superb but it's um you know what, what you've got to do is look how it's going forward and a lot of those tickets about games were either reduced rates or given away free and so you attract people whether they will come back is another thing i think the main thing about uh, the, the women's game is you know you've got a make that intellectual leap and say it's not like the Premier League it's not 100 miles an hour you know it's not phys- as physical technically it's really good well, that, that's why that's why I quite quite enjoy it because you know you, you get players who can, who can who can pass who can control the ball and it's not compete for the first ball win the second ball like the Premier League yeah. is so often so you know it slows everything down unfortunately you know it's like like the Premier League to a certain extent is like fast food everything's 90 miles an hour you know it's all sugar rush we're all you know uh, like that you know <laughs> It's nice to see football slow down. Yeah. Well, something is stirring. To adapt that old baseball line, build women's football around the biggest stadiums and they will come. Thanks for joining us here on the Football Writers Podcast. <laughs>